Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condit Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Okay, thanks everyone. This is going to be our last show of 2020. Uh, just a nightmarish revelatory year uh, filled with transitional changes across energies and our, our, our entire country is hanging on the brink here and we need as many prayers and as many uh, good uh, fortunes following each one of us as we as we go to the end of the year and, and, and keep stressing the importance of, of a future of freedom and liberty and justice for uh, us here in America. Uh, our country is under attack. Uh, we've known it for many, many years. Uh, our guest tonight, Patricia Mickelson, was called out uh, many years ago to help in this regard with the candidacy of Dr. Ron Paul. We were all part of that on the heels of that movie with Dr. with the Aaron Russo. We all got together and supported Dr. Paul, and this call was launched on the heels of that movie documentary to support the Ron Paul movement. Uh, the revolution with Ron Paul it inspired so many young people, people of all ages, and Patricia Nicholson uh, was one of those people, and she was on our call many, many years ago, and we are so pleased to have her back. Uh, coming from Arkansas, where she has some land down there, uh, working to create a Christian conservative vegan monastery, has many ideas for reconnecting uh, with the values of freedom, and liberty and justice in a local community type of setting. We're all going to need to come back to our roots, to come back to natural uh, alternatives, uh, ways of reconnecting 
of sustaining and living in cooperation with one another. And Patricia's presentation tonight will be along that line. Uh, I have put out a, a call or a text to Bob Schultz if he wants to come on later uh, after Patricia's presentation. He may give us a quick update because uh, he has completed the draft of the petition for redress of grievances on the election. It has been passed around. I've been sharing it, and it, it's gone through a couple of edits. But uh, we can uh, we can talk about that after Patricia is finished. Patricia, thank you for coming on. Uh, my wife and I, I think I mentioned in my text to you via uh, Twitter that uh, we were down in Hot Springs Village. You're probably very familiar with that part of the woods. And it was just beautiful down there. Arkansas is a, uh, just a, a wonderful state. So what, what part of Arkansas are you in? I am in northwest Arkansas, which is part of the Ozarks. So Okay. Not, yeah. So it's near, um, it's the more progressive part of uh, Arkansas, which I used to be proud of, and now I'm not so happy about that, but <laughs> it is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, we, we were staying, uh, I, I guess it's, 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 a, it's the largest gated community in the country. Uh, it's all a part of a property owners association, POA. And they created this back in 1970, and it's grown, and it, you know, beautiful roads and everything. But uh, we're about 15, 16 miles north uh, of, of Hot Springs, and uh, went down to Hot Springs a couple times, took in some of the beautiful little, you know, buildings where the springs are and everything, and did, did a hike up on top of the mountain a couple of times. It was just nice. So I, I could see definitely going back down there uh, to, to enjoy some time away. It's not that far. It's about a 10-hour drive, so it's not too bad. But uh, yeah, come and visit. My son, my oldest son, is vegan with his girlfriends. Oh, <laughs> and, and they, Yes, she was a vegetarian. They both decided to go in 100% vegan after they first met. They're now living together, and they're looking for a house, and they both have uh, uh, jobs, and they're, they're uh, you know, we, we, we don't know if they're going to get married before they get the house, but either or, they're together and they're vegan. They're very dedicated. So, <laughs> so it, it, and he's a big strapping guy who lifts weights, but uh, he's been vegan for about two and a half years. So, tell us what, what happened. Uh, I know the whole come down from William Paul, we were all kind of in it together, and that uh, eight year run ended for us. I mean, the first. The first uh, campaign was, was filled with hope and, and energy, and we kind of got let down. Uh, and the second time around, we were still at it. But uh, uh, I think we inspired a lot of young people, a lot of middle-aged people. All of those people that were that came into the Ron Paul movement provided the, the uh, seed ground for the Tea Party movement that led to Donald Trump, as you know. <laughs> right. And, and now we've got I, this massive, yeah. massive movement uh, toward all of these good things in our country. And I'm, I'm sure, just as you witness this and we witness, we are just amazed. You know, we've been doing this every week since 2007, and we're just blown away by the amount of, 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 uh, of just so many people from so many walks of life who are coming together in these communities and rallies and 
And the, the numbers of people showing up at these outdoor events were in support of, of, of Donald Trump. Uh, we just hope and pray that this will work out and, and he will be our, our president for four more years. But uh, tell us your story, if you could, uh, on, 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 uh, since we last touched base with you many years ago. Well, I want to say that, yes, I pray, I am hoping and praying for President Trump to get elected and, and that the, we will have a, an election that is fair and every legal yeah. vote is counted, goodness gracious. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, I, well, man, I tell you what, if I, I could probably spend, Dee was saying you guys used to have like eight hour, uh, you know, podcast. I could probably spend eight hours telling you all that happened, but you know what? What happened was um, is something is actually inspiring me to do what I'm doing now because um, when I was facilitating the meetup in Fayetteville. Um, there was such beautiful energy. We felt like we were part of a community, and we bonded. And uh, every, I was able to encourage people to use their creativity, and that really was everybody. The meetups, all the meetups, people were just encouraged to use their gifts and the, their abilities and take on projects they never thought they could do with the, the help of the whole group. But when that fell apart, I... Um, I mean, when when Ron Paul withdrew from from running, I got so depressed because our group did fall apart. We didn't have uh, as much community connection as I would have liked, so that we could mm-hmm. have said, "Let's keep going. Let's figure out what the next step is." Yeah, and yeah. so that's one of the big reasons. I am doing this project, Patriots Connect, because I want people to, like, no matter what happens, because we really, I mean, I hope and pray we won't, you know, everything's going to go fine, but we already have so many things happen we didn't expect. And I just want people to feel they're part of a, they're feeling, you know, connected, and no matter what happens, we have each other's backs. So, yep. And in terms of going back to what happened was I decided to focus my energies on helping every neighborhood become thriving and self-reliant community. And it, it drew me out uh, to the Bay Area where oh, my wow. brother lived. Yeah, my brother lived there, and so I had a free place to stay. And when I, I, I went there and I found all kinds of people that had all these exciting ideas and uh, they were so vibrant and um, electric and, you know, it was really the social justice movement, the leftist I was being drawn to. (laughs) And this seemed a lot more fun and and exciting than maybe, uh, you know, so, and there were good things. That uh, there are good things in the movement, in the leftist, the social justice movement. But it really, for the next really 18 years, except for a few things that I did that were um, 
more conservative, like I, I was really into the pro-life movement, 40 Days for Life, for about four years. I worked with my church and, they, and kids, and we got rid of the Planned Parenthood in Fayetteville. And, um, but a lot of my time was spent in the Bay Area. I got into the animal rights movement for three years and just came back a year ago to the Ozarks realizing, oh, dear, I was involved in a social justice movement cult. And, okay. Wow. <laughs> and I was enrolling yeah. people, you know. I mean, I was like, it was called direct action everywhere. I ended up blowing the whistle on all the things that I saw. And I even took back to that. It could be funded by the Chinese because of Oh, my God. It's the most woke people, you know, some people say it's the most um, intersectional organization, animal rights organization. And I didn't realize that, I mean, I just thought, wow, all these people, they're just so accepting and inclusive, although they didn't like my pro-life and Christian views so much, they actually did act like they liked them in the beginning. And I really thought uh-huh. I was accepted, but I wasn't. But so, but all along, I did want, um, when I came back, I was totally burned out, but I still got involved in a, another group, Vegan World 2021, totally into fighting climate change. And I poured my energy into that on Zoom. And found out, oh my gosh, I'm in another like cult-like organization. And then what happened was um, my former husband and friend who lived in the house above my apartment that I live in out here, um, he some a series of events happened, and he very gently was able to help me realize. I have gotten sucked into the social justice warrior movement, okay. and and he helped and he he encouraged me to listen to Dave Rubin, and then be open to listening to Trump because I'd been apathetic about Trump. I just really sure. didn't want anything to do with government, but I didn't hate him. But yeah, uh-huh. I about six months ago I woke up and I said oh, my gosh, I'm a conservative. This is what I, I mean, Trump is really good. I want, And look at all these great people that are involved in this movement. This is where I want to be. So I, um, I've been researching and, and, and retweeting and, and uh, sharing on Facebook as much as I can, taking a lot of heat from my leftist, progressive friends, but standing strong. <clears throat> That's great. Do you, do you feel, uh, Patricia, that uh, this social justice uh, cult-like uh, behavior has its roots in organized communism? Is, it, is there a connection you could make or discern in any way, shape, or form, or is that are they are they separate? I I can really see. I mean, I can all, I only know because of what I've read. I mean, how yeah. the college campuses are infiltrated and and how, I mean, um, and all my research 
told to me, yes, this is okay. communist. They're, they're trying to persuade us to tear down all of our established beliefs. And, yeah, yeah. definitely. And, of course, the, the antipathy against Christianity uh, is, is kind of underlies that approach uh, as well. Yes, and uh, pro-life, being pro-life. I've, I've been pro-life since, I'm 20, since I've been 21, that's 45 years ago. And, and I've never fit with the, you know, leftist group. But I, I never really felt I fit quite with the conservatives either because of my passion for animals and the, and the environment. But, but now I realize, you know what, I need to live, we need to live in a free country where our constitution is upheld, where our freedoms are, cher- our, our freedoms are cherished and, and we have fair government so that we can't, then I can inspire people to be vegan. I can't force them and, you know, we can get laws passed, but I, I, my priority now, because veganism and animal rights, I thought it was the most important thing. I even thought we were, it was the most loving movement, but I tell you what, sadly, most vegans and animal rights movement people, they are more into the left social justice movement. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And because they're the ones who attack me the most, and will even say, just like Joe Biden said, "Well, you're not black if you don't if you don't vote for me," and people will say, "Well, you're not vegan if you support Trump." <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, we have like five. Uh, well, there's there's a growing number of of Facebook groups like Vegan for Trump, Vegans for Trump, Right-Wing Vegans, uh, Conservative Vegans, Vegan Patriots. And so we are finding each other, and so that's good. Okay. Okay. Wow. Well, uh, welcome back to our show, (laughs) to our call, to our little community here. We are so blessed to have so many wonderful people join us on this show over the years and to reconnect like we are with you uh, with the roots in the Ron Paul movement, like you did have, and all of us did have so many great memories. Uh, it's kind of a quaint feeling that I, I personally have because uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of things that we did out, out, outside waving flags and standing and, and demonstrating and, and rallying for Ron Paul and over the years. And, and I, I just get exhausted just watching TV. All the Trump supporters doing the same thing. I don't have this energy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way because that's why I wanted to start a monastery because yeah. I am very, I'm, I'm, I, I just felt like I've been, tra- I've been trying to create an intentional community for 45 years and yeah. um, been very mm-hmm. disappointed with uh, people who I've met. And I thought, you know, like, what I really want to do is be, be have a monastery where we do spiritual practices, where we pray and, uh, and a Christian right. uh, approach. And what are you going to say? Hang on, we got, we got somebody who got his phone unmuted. If you could switch your phone, sir. Sounds oh. like Al. 
think nope. I think it was uh, no. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> I think it's better. Okay. <laughs> Got cut off there. Go, okay. go ahead. You were on a train yeah. of thought there. I didn't want to interrupt. Yeah, no problem. Um, so the intentional. You were saying of a praying. I was so externally focused. I mean, I am an extrovert to the max. And so I love, that was one of the things I loved being in the Bay Area uh, and being an animal rights movement and being these big marches and, you know, demonstrations. And the energy was very, it it was really um, uh, so much passion. That's what I loved. People were passionate. So, but when I got burned out and came back and 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 I really was diving deep into what do I really want to do, I thought I'd like to be able to help um, make the world a better place, but I need to do it from a place of strength and groundedness and in a group. Uh, and I still don't have anybody joining me yet in this monastery, but I felt like I had to do something to help now because we're in a movie. And so I thought, okay, what is my um, what is my strength? Well, my strength is getting people together and cooperating and, and empowering them to to follow the their passion of what they want to do, like in the Ron Paul movement, I mean, what I loved about the meetup was we would meet every week at a restaurant and uh, go around the circle and introduce ourselves real quickly, get to know each other, and then we would save a project we wanted to do. And, and people would form little groups and work on various projects, and nobody had to get permission. They just said, I want to do yeah. this. Anybody want to help? And it yeah. almost always ended up that... One person would take the lead, others would support them, and 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 we did. I have the greatest memories, uh, including uh, putting out a bunch of garage sale type signs. We just painted them. Uh, one woman wanted to do that. We made about fifty signs that said "Ron Paul Revolution." We put them oh, all yeah. down. Put them all over. Yeah. The, we got on the news, the local news. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and we had fun making the signs. And anyway, so, you know, when I, and I, then I, I had also uh, started a, a structure. I, I developed a structure called Community Connect, which I did a lot out in the Bay Area. Another reason people just love coming to these events. I really developed a lot of group skills. And so I thought, I want to introduce these ideas of how people can connect and build friendships and get things done and build trust. And so I thought, like, I had the idea a couple of months ago, but I I was just floundering. I just couldn't, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I still wasn't ready. But when you call, I just got to acknowledge you, Fred, because when you, I reached out to you and said, well, I'm kind of working on a project. You said, well, hey, you want to be on the podcast? And I go, Okay. And then I thought, oh, well, that, that's going to give me a deadline. And I tell you, I'm glad we had to delay it uh, three weeks or so because I, I've i gone actually through a dark night of the soul, 10 days. Of, I feel like um, it was like the 
dark forces were attacking me and telling me, you can't do anything, you know, you're <laughs> I mean, I, I forgot, I mean, it was, it was really bad, but I was also praying unceasingly because I had to, um, yeah. Yeah, and also it had to do with all the, all this negativity in the world, but Fred, you inspired me, and when I, I just thought, okay, I'm going to get something together. It, and you told me it doesn't have to be perfect, and I go, okay. And then, you know, it all flowed together, and now I realize the main thing I can do right now is I can host every evening um, conference calls, hour-long conference yeah. calls, and, and just invite people, and I have a simple format. It's on my on the webs on my blog, yeah. and um, and, st- and and maybe people will want to duplicate them, and it just gives a check-in time so people don't those people who feel alone, they won't feel alone. Yeah, that's a wonderful gift if you can somehow manifest that, Patricia. Uh, you know that was that's kind of the the vision that has kept us going every every week, uh, but. Uh, if you can do it every night of the week, more power to you. <laughs> We're well, to do it once a week, and, and we, we feel very fortunate and humbled to be able to do that. But uh, uh, well, it's, a, it's a great, you know, noble idea. I thank that. you. Well, you know, I just came up with the idea today. I thought, okay, I can do a weekly. I'll do a weekly thing. But I thought, you yeah. know what? I can at least promise until the uh, inauguration. Um, because yeah. see, I I am I have become more of a monastic. As much as I used to love going out, I am home most of the time, and I okay. have the time. And um, I, so this, and then I also want to uh, encourage people to do this community connect format, and in my neighborhood, and. And, you know, provide resources on the blog. And, you know, my blog name, I mean, I did make a, a Wix, a pretty Wix yeah. blog that was kind of fancy. It was fun. It was, um, but it leads to this uh, WordPress that I did in 2008. And it's the okay. Ron Paul meetup wordpress.com. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. That's the that's the blog that I am building on. Okay. Well, it, it uh, you know the, the, the written word uh, is is so important, and you know it's it, it's funny. Uh, I don't know what you asked me what what was the calling for me to reach out to you, and I all I know is that the whole election thing, pre-election and post-election, I got very active on. I've never really been active on Twitter or Facebook until until this thing exploded with with Trump being under attack with the election and and uh, and there I was in Hot Springs and I remember remotely that you were down there years ago and I think I mentioned I was in Hot Springs and you were there in Arkansas so I'm glad I made the connection with you Patricia um, and uh, we, we we are. Uh, it never hurts to re- reconnect with one another. Well, going forward, um, what does your gut gut feel here uh, tell you? Uh, our world is is um, you know these, these powerful global forces are, are trying to shut us down. 
and to destroy the spark of freedom in America. And, and it really is going to get back to the grassroots, people like you and us on this call and, 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 and all of the, the, the masses of, 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 of the populism that's behind Donald Trump. Uh, there's a massive movement out there that they call it the Great Awakening that, that's really just exploding right now. And I don't think the controllers... And the mainstream media has a clue as to how powerful this is and how broad it is and how, how just across the board uh, it's become. Uh, I mean, you, you're familiar with the walkaway movement, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I can yeah, I mean, just walk away. Yeah. The number of people oh who walk away from the Democratic Party, the social justice warriors, and then they, they write with great passion about transition just like what you've been telling us tonight uh, and, and they feel so liberated uh, when they come to this other side whatever you want to call it <laughs> um, and yet we're oh, the ones who yeah. are, are being excoriated we're the ones being told that we're, we're, we're racist or this or that it's like crazy <laughs> I so, know uh, I, I'm excited and I want to see what happens with the I, I just watched him, um, uh, his, you know, become such a leader. He started the walk oh, yeah. movement. The history of it is so beautiful. I can't remember how long ago it was. I don't think it was more than a year or so. And then he's inspired Colin Borisenko, uh, who's become such a leader, and uh, so many people. And so I, when I... When I see, uh, and Dave Rubin is like a, one of the early walkaways. And so yeah. I definitely want to be a part of inspiring the, uh, the people who have been trapped in, that, in these brainwashed situations. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I never watched the mainstream media much, except for I lived with someone who was, um, I mean, I, I've always lived a very simple life, so I traded my rent for helping her uh, make vegan food and clean her house and do her, uh, her garden and help her organize, which is my profession, sure. but um, she always had the left leftist media on and I never really I I I listened to it just kind of out of education but I hated the way that they would put Trump down and then I watched I know I I didn't understand and she hated him and 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 I just never quite understood it but um uh, but then now then I'd actually come, but I was definitely not wanting to support him because I didn't want people to, you know, hate me. But I need, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I could share some, yeah, really sad experiences about even just saying I'm not sure about Hillary got me into big trouble, or maybe Trump isn't that bad. But you know, the, my point is that I'm really wanting to help people who have been brainwashed. I yeah, want to yeah. be an example, and I have had a few people. I've had two people for sure reach out and say, "Hey, I come over. I didn't, 
I'm, I'm, you know, I'm scared to speak out, but I want to tell you that I am uh, supportive, and I see other people who um, tell me they are speaking out. Hopefully, I give them courage because I do speak about yeah. that a lot. I, I haven't recently, but I encourage people if you're not, if you have changed your ways, you know, come to the uh, to support Trump and support freedom. And speak out. It's so important, so important. And I and and just like so many people in the walkaways movement, they will say it was liberating to um, just just be able to speak my truth. And that is something. There were two things that pe- that I was taught by someone. I don't even remember who it was. I think I was around ten years old, and he said. Everyone likes you. There's something wrong. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this people-pleasing is a real addiction, and Mm -hmm. uh, we need to get rid of that. And the other thing he said is think about if what you're doing, if everybody on the planet did this, uh, would it be a good thing? And I realize now that he was teaching me how did I develop my values? What are my values? And I learned at age 26 that name was by Charles. Oh, I'm forgetting his name. But uh, he was the one of the first people really encouraged people. Like Benjamin Franklin was the one who really started. I mean, Jesus, mm-hmm. all the great teachers did. But, but, to, but this Charles Hall, that's his name. I got a, a tape recording uh what is his name again? I didn't catch it. Charles Hobbs. H O B is a boy, B is a boy S. Oh, Charles Hobbs. Okay. I think I've heard that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he, you don't hear much from him these days. I think he's still alive. But he, he had a, um, a tape series called Insight on Time Management. And I studied that while I was at a vegan retreat in California. And it changed my life because he said, if you need to be congruent with your values, you need to live, the more, you, it's just for your own sanity, for your own well-being. So that's what, you know, I'm, um, I want to encourage people to define their values and then live them and do it courageously. Oh, that's, that's, that's great. Well, uh, it, it, it sounds like we'll have to be uh, keeping in touch with you, Patricia, more frequently, okay? Definitely. <laughs> you know, yes. to, to kind of learn learn from uh, your progression, and, and, and we can do the same with you and vice versa. We're all going to be uh, hoping and praying toward the end of this year, and I wanted to, uh, uh, since this is the last show of the year, I wanted to make an opportunity for uh, not only the callers, the listeners that are on to uh, interact with you and ask you questions, but we're, we'll do a little round robin. And if you wanted to lead us uh, in a round robin of prayer at the end, uh, before the show is over, we'd love, love for you to do that. Uh, anybody out there have comments or questions for Patricia uh, on, our, on our show tonight? This is our last call for 2020. Uh, we, we have to keep the tr- prayers for Trump. There's so much going on. We, we could, uh, uh, and we will 
probably chat about the, the latest after we wind down tonight. But uh, any comments or questions for Patricia, feel free to unmute your phone. Well, <laughs> where'd she go? I'm here. Are you there? Oh, there you are. She's the quiet moment. Okay. Well, uh, Fred, this is Steve. I was going to say, uh, uh, you know, we, well, she, uh, Patricia was talking about uh, the, the Ron Paul meetup. Well, that's how we started our show. Because yep. uh, back in 2007, I think yep. I joined every single Ron Paul meetup called their, I mean, group there was. I mean, it was like 400. So, yeah. then, and then we had, we would have, uh, when we actually had Ron Paul on our show, we had uh, over 800 callers. And, and wow. Ron Paul was on our show not, not only once, but twice. Right. And so yeah. we had every single Ron Paul meetup group on our show. So that's how we really started this uh, this venue. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it had a huge following. So, And we were, you know, Fred, back then we were doing, what, four or five guests a night. I know. Oh, wow. <laughs> when we were doing the show, and... Uh, I mean, it was it was uh, it, it was fun, and it went by fast. And we had some late nighters, and these guys, you know, I'd get up the next morning, and the call was still going. We had some guys all on the <laughs> west coast, and they still had it going. The sun was already up. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, it's just a, it's a hilarious little interlude that happened on this show over the years. Some billions in the west. Yeah. Hey, hey Patricia, this is Jay Zillow. Yeah, hi. From from North Carolina. When, hi, when um, my story was when 9/11 happened, you know, I fell down a rabbit hole, and I started talking out to everybody. Oh my God, this is you know this is you know, and all my friends were Democrats. Because oh, wow. Bush was in office. But as soon as Bush, you know, and down that rabbit hole, I found out about the New World Order and everything, and I was just talking truth to people, you know. Well, then when Barack Obama got in, I lost all my Democratic friends because I was still saying the same thing. (laughs) I was walking the straight line. And depending on who was in office at the time, that's who my friends were, you know. It was like really weird they came and went but eventually along the way i met people like steve and Dee Dee and fred and, <laughs> and your friendship you know just stick, stick, stick to your guns stick to your beliefs be true to yourself and that's all you can do so oh well you guys sounds like you went through a lot. I mean, you can smile now, but I'm sure losing those friends were painful, and I admire you for the courage that you uh, exhibited by by speaking up and and looking into something like 911. So thank you. I'm sure you planted a lot of seeds. Yeah, I guess it was 13 years ago. Jay, you and I, when we first met, we were we were on the call and and you said, "Damn, Steve, the sun's coming up. I got to go to work." And I said, "Shit, I do too." <laughs> it was on, it was on a freedom to fascism call, you know. At the end of the DVD, you know, it says, "Get involved, call this number," you know. And and when I called in, when I called in, you know, I'm like, "Okay, I'm listening to the call," and somebody's talking about making homemade 
homemade rocket launchers, and I'm like, oh, crap, who are these wackos? I got it, but... <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, you guys, we have got to write, got to write the history book of, of this, and, you know, can you believe that I started learning about the New World Order in uh, 1975 when I learned, I met my now former husband, friend, present friend, Cliff Mickelson. And I met him in the Garden of Eden on, on San Diego State University campus where an 84-year-old raw food vegan was teaching people about the Illuminati, the Federal Reserve. Uh, he had created a beautiful garden and uh, I'm teaching people about health as well. So... Uh, you know, Christy John Workman is his name, and uh, so I actually have been aware of this stuff for a long time, and it's never been super comfortable, but I feel like now it's, we're all coming into our own, aren't we? Well, you were a pioneer, Patricia, 1975. <laughs> Dee Dee was, was right there with you. Dee Dee sounds like she oh, was loving people. <laughs> well, and, 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 well, and at the end of that call, you know, I was about to hang up because they were talking about homemade rocket launchers and stuff, and I'm like, oh, crap, who are these wackos? At the end of the call, Steve said, is there anybody new? Is there anybody that wants to say anything? And I said, yeah, my name is Jay. You know, I live in North Carolina. I, uh. I woke up to 9-11. I'm, I'm handing out DVDs to everybody. I've lost all my friends and all my family. Nobody wants to talk to me anymore. You know, this is the most important thing in our lives. We need to figure out who our enemies are. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and then, and then every, like, 53 people on the call said, well, you got friends now, buddy. Oh. And after the call ended, me and Steve talked till the sun came up. And Steve oh, was in man. Charlotte, and I was like, you know, a couple hours, an hour and a half, two hours from Charlotte. And uh, we ended up meeting, you know, I was like, hey, I got this DVD library. I'll send it to anybody that wants. You know, I had eight hours of documentaries on DVDs. And I actually, you know, I quit my job and drove the Granny Warriors around for the first month. Oh, and, then, and then nobody really funded us. And, uh, and, and I had to... Uh, and I had to uh, bail out and I started driving trucks and then I was in Chicago and Fred came and met me at the truck stop and had me on his radio show <laughs> no, interviewed me right out of the yeah. truck and I've been to Dee Dee's yeah. house a bunch of times and I've been to, <laughs> oh, been, to Fred's, been to Fred's place out in Montana best of friends yeah so it was a good thing I didn't hang up on that call. You know that guy. <laughs> if I would have, if I would have hung up on that call, do you remember that call, Steve? Steve oh, heck yeah, I remember. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. No, but do you remember the rocket launchers? The the girl talking about building the homemade rocket launchers? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, what did I get into here? <laughs> I think I, uh, this is Patricia here, um, you know, I think I definitely met Fred because of the Aaron Rousseau, uh, I mean, America for Freedom to Fascism, and 
I remember, I think there were times when I thought, man, Aaron is, I mean, he's using those cuss words, and he's kind of rough, I don't know about this, but I stuck with it, and uh, Fred was such a good moderator, and you know, um, I actually got an inheritance from my mother soon uh, after that, that movie, the movie got released, and we bought a fifth wheel. We were going, my now former husband, second husband, but um, Robert and I and my daughter, we were going to travel around the country sharing the videos, and I ended up getting in a, a relatively minor accident, but I got, I somehow got into a contract with this uh, chiropractor where I had to go to the chiropractor for a year. I had to stay close to home. So we never went traveling around and I kind of got, and I got sidetracked and I lost track of people until the Ron Paul movement. But I, I, there's a part of me that wishes, man, I wish I'd kind of been with you guys all those years, but I also think I needed to go out and learn about hey, the hey, social Patricia, Patricia, yeah. this, will, this will give you a highlight. Jay remembers this. But this was okay. uh, this was 13 years ago, live on our show, and this this one will really give you a hoot. Here you go, check this out. I might have to flash my headlights or something. Yeah, something. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, I got dogs too. We like trains too. You got a lot of dogs. Yeah, I got 400 pounds. Holy crap! What the hell is that? And then all of a sudden he said on one call, he goes, 
you no longer have rights to copy this, and <laughs> blah, 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 and, 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 and we're going to build an organization and orders are going to come from the top down, and, and, and I only gave you my DVD to promote the movie, and it's like, what? <laughs> we all we all looked at each other and went, "What? Well, I don't take orders from anybody." <laughs> yeah, Jay, Jay and I were making thousands of them. We, Jay was doing about forty thousand. I was doing about forty thousand. We were giving those things yeah. out everywhere. I handed out about forty thousand, forty-five thousand DVDs. Yep. Wow, that is <laughs> And you know, I just got—I just really—I want to honor the fact that friends working together, you know, I'm just, I want to celebrate your friendship and that that is, that's why I want to live in a community where we're all helping each other to have healthy food, to have um, healthy habits, to encourage each other to pray and and to study the Bible and, and to um, do the spiritual practices, the introspection, the Lectio Divina and um, examining our day, and as well as the laughter, the joy, the the fun. Uh, that's where if everybody was living in a community where they could really uh, be more self-reliant, they would empower each other. And the energy that you guys are sharing with me is just that's the kind of energy I envision that. We all need to keep up the good fight. And I'm going to share kind of a, I, I just have this vision that God, because as a Christian universalist, I believe that God wants to and has the power to reconcile everyone, even the worst uh, person in the world doing the worst things. And so I just figured, okay, so we, we're just going to all be, start becoming better people, we're going to help each other live in communities. We'll inspire each other to be our best selves, be more like Christ. We'll keep, we'll love each other. We'll draw people into that love. And then pretty soon there's hardly, there's no one wants us to tempt. And it's so fun. And, and the devil just goes, oh, man, I'm just going to join those communities and just start having fun. I don't want to bring them down anymore. And I, that's my myth. That's my you know, hope that, you know, Fred, you, I think you, you did ask me, like, where are we going? And it's, that's all I can, uh, uh, that keeps me going, a dream that eventually we are all going to live in the kind of joy that you guys are sharing. And it's really beautiful. Well, I live in a community, it's one of the oldest communities, it's a land trust. And it's the oh, oldest wow. land trust in the country. It was made by oh. Arthur Morgan. It was made by Arthur Morgan, who who was the defense or the interior minister for Roosevelt. And when he got out of the administration, he moved to North Carolina to find this plot of land to start this community on. It's called Celo Community. Celo. I am familiar with that, and I was actually out at. Uh, in that area, in uh, let's see, around 2000, I attended the permaculture. Conference. Oh yeah! Wow! At, at, oh, at the Arthur God. Morgan School. Right. At the and, Arthur Morgan School. You I drove by my house. 
my house my house is right there on the river right across from the soccer field it's the first oh house on, it's, it's the, okay well when you come off the bridge and take a right down the dirt road and uh-huh. you're going back to the arthur morgan school okay it, okay all the houses are on the left the friends meeting house and everything and then you get to that clearing with the soccer field my house is right there on the right right along the road well, that, that was 40 years ago, so I don't remember too well. But now who is this speaking? Jay. I, I'm the one that told you about my whole story about Ron Paul and right. the meetup group and driving the Granny Warriors. And, right, okay, right, but, right. But, okay, but, well, but our community, our, our community is where old hippies go to die. They okay. all voted for, they all voted for Joe Biden. And now I'm feeling like I'm behind enemy lines. It's like, oh, oh my God, you guys all voted for the destruction of our country. What the hell's going on? Oh my God. <laughs> See, I, I know all these groups that I was so connected to the intentional community movement, and I'm just like, oh dear, I don't like feel connected to them. There's a lot to learn, but wow, that is so sad, Dave. I mean, that was one of the communities that I admired most, and I read, I have this book about building community, and you know, I actually, though, the community, I dream of, even though I want to start with a monastery with a core group of people that are just totally dedicated to helping the service, uh, I want to have a neighbor, we have 19 acres of land, and so we have, um, I want, I have a, and, and I had a generous donor uh, help pay for building the the monastery house, and it was going to be a, and also it'll be a common house. Um, but, but there's enough land to have a little village. So, like in the ancient days, the monasteries would help the village, and the village would help the monastery. And so, you know, I would like to have a land trust, but it's not easy to do. I can't find a lawyer to figure out how to do that, but I know it's got to be done. A model of constitutional living where people have their own little plot of land, but they cooperate, they have their self, you know, they they can uh, be independent but interdependent. Uh, and and I think that that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, might be going into somewhat new territory. But if anybody hears of any communities I can model after, I'd love to hear that. Well, you know, we don't own the land. Right, I know. We, you, we it's, it's, uh, the, uh, well, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's 1,400 acres and 52 families live on the 1,400 acres. And you don't own your land, but you own your house. And then you have a 99-year lease on your holding, a 99-year renewable lease on your holding. So you right. can't sell it to. Yeah. I can't. We can't sell our our property to somebody that's not a community member, or on the list to get in, which is like a ten year waiting list to get into this community. Oh wow! But, but you're you're really inspired. You're you're helping me to re- remember that. I mean, the problem with these communities is they they. They weren't built on conservative values. It was like old hippies that were trying uh-huh. out a new way, 
And so this, the community that the Gulf Spring Monastery and uh, community, I want to be sure that the people who come initially, they do have the conservative constitutional uh, values. Not necessarily, I'm still not sure if everybody has to be Christian, but definitely in the monastery, it's, it's a Christian monastery. But the village, is like, I'm still not sure, but I do know that that there's certain values that when you join a community that you join, you're signing on to, and if you get people who are against those, you're gonna have fights from the beginning. So, like, well, my girl, feeling- my girlfriend, my girlfriend and her family think that, and the people around me think that I'm brainwashed into some cult right yeah, now, and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, what? I'm brainwashed. <laughs> I know. That's what they say. I'm in a cult. You guys need to look around. You need to look in the mirror. You need to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> wow. Well, I hope you can. Oh. I hope they'll wake up. That is one of my biggest prayers that they will wake well, up. Well, I'm. Yeah, I'm about ready to bail the whole situation. Tell you the truth. I feel like I'm sleeping yeah. with the enemy. Right. And, you know, I am so fortunate. I I mean, I am blessed because, see, we were drawn to, I feel it was a total miracle. We lived in Fayetteville, my uh, now former husband and my daughter, my son and other former husband, we've always cooperated. And uh, we we loved Fayetteville. It was just so progressive and hippie, you know, all kinds of old hippies. But then a series of miracles drew us out to Madison County, about an hour away, to a Christian community. I mean, initially we found a place to caretake, and this house was only uh, a couple of miles from a Christian community that started because of uh, the um, uh, Y2K scare. Oh, yeah. So. But they, 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 they thought they needed to prepare, but also the, the founders, this was 1999, had a vision that this could be a place where people can demonstrate how it looks, looks for Christians to live together and owning their own land. And so we um, were invited to come to their home church meeting and uh, everybody homeschooled. And it was so wholesome, and our kids were starting to get exposed to some stuff we were starting to feel very uncomfortable with at age four and uh, 11. And so when we came out here and found this super wholesome, uh, wonderful group, we were just like so happy. And we gave the whole family, except for Cliff, we all gave our lives to Christ and uh, have lived here. And everybody, I mean, it's not, it's uh, for 20 years. We were able to buy land because of the owner, uh, owner financed it. We didn't think we'd ever be able to own land. Um, and just all of the people in this neighborhood, 700 acres of, or surrounded by, I mean, uh, and the acres are surrounding a beautiful 40-acre lake. 
And they're all almost all of them are Trump supporters, conservatives. And so it's almost like I came back home. I don't like Dorothy, you know, there's no place like home. And, uh, uh, so I feel very grateful. Well, did you know uh, there was a Quaker meeting house on the property there? In, in at Silo? In, yeah, at Silo. No, there's, there's a, I didn't. There's a school, there's a school, a Quaker boarding, a uh, Quaker meeting house, uh, uh, a Silo Health Center, and then now there's a community center on the land there. And there's Camp Silo. There's a there's an Arthur Morgan School. There's a summer camp. Well, you know, there's I want to have all that stuff. I want to have that. So if you want to talk about, if you're really ready to jump ship, let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> What's your address? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't make any promises, but I mean, I'm looking for partners who really want to make uh, something beautiful out out here on our uh, 19 acres, and um, I'm I'm not living there right now. I'm about 15 minutes away because my generous friend bought a beautiful house, uh, which she has. She lives out in California, and she doesn't want to come out here to Arkansas, where she thought she was going to. But we're caretaking her house for her, and so uh, I'm just super blessed. Well, with all this going out in California, is she ready to bail California? Well, I keep thinking she might be, but apparently not. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Uh, my friend, she used to tell me, get this, she told me, you are the perfect Berkeley. You're the classic Berkeley person. You just fit here so well. <laughs> yeah. And I was proud of that, you guys. I was so proud of that. Oh my gosh. Well, the girlfriend, my my girlfriend that I'm living with, grew up in Berkeley, and then, oh and then, uh, and then uh, she's uh, she's a community member, but I'm nuts. Oh, so I'm kind of looked at as the black sheep of the community. You know, I'm <laughs> Trump supporter. I'm, oh wow. I'm a patriot. I'm, yeah. Hey, Fred, hey, Mike, you wear your MAGA hat? You wear your MAGA hat? Yeah. I'm not a MAGA hat, but my hat says Trump 2020, no more bullshit. <laughs> hey, Fred, uh, Bob Schultz is on with us now, Fred. Oh, good. Uh, Patricia, thank you so much for, for sharing your, your time. Uh, one last call out to anybody else, and then we'll have Bob give us a quick update on the petition. Bob, thanks for joining us. Uh, Patricia, make sure, you, make sure you come back on with us again sometime, you know, or you can join us weekly. That'd be nice. Yeah, I would. I I definitely will. Well, now that I'm going to do these calls at eight o'clock, I'm thinking about doing these uh, calls at eight. So, um, might be kind of hard. But, you know, these, these conference calls. But I just thank you guys, and I definitely will stay connected. Yeah, I can get on after the. Um, yeah, well, I'll, I'll keep the newsletter coming you. to you, so you'll, you'll be getting a newsletter each week. Okay. We all need to pray later after this announcement. Is this going to be the petition announcement? 
Yeah, yeah. Bob is going to give us an update on, on this petition for, for the, the right of redress on, on the election. And uh, we're going to close it. This is our last show of the year. And uh, and then people can chat after that. But uh, feel, feel free to, to, to hang in there. Patricia, Absolutely. thank you so much. We don't have to uh, end. Uh, we're not going to end the call. We're going to have Bob. Bob, are you there? Yes, hi. Okay. Hi, friend. Uh, Patricia, uh, Bob Schultz is the actual founding father of this show because all of us got together uh, in causes of action relating to We the People Foundation uh, and the right to petition many, many, many years ago. Many lawsuits and causes of action, and we were all part of the National Clean Elections lawsuit back in 2008. And uh, Bob uh, took some time this, this last week, week and a half, to draw together a petition to redress it, uh, involving the 2020 election. And he put it out for comments, and people have commented, replied back. And, uh, Bob, thanks for joining us on our last show. And uh, I know you're extremely busy, but I really appreciate your, your, your coming on and giving us some that quick quick update here. Yeah, sorry I couldn't get uh, to you sooner. I tried, but we had... Almost two feet of snow here today, and I've got a oh, lot of Oh, yeah, I know that snow looks pretty yeah. bad. So sorry about that. you got a lot my of driveway. On the back 40. <laughs> yeah, I've got a 1,500-foot driveway. And anyway, so oh. I've been out there and just, and just came in exhausted. Okay. Uh, so it's my outdoor gym, and I got quite a workout. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I bet it's wet snow, too, right? No, it wasn't bad. It was very cold last night, about nine or ten okay. degrees, and it didn't get okay. uh, oh, wow. sunny today. Oh, but still, wow, that's work. cool. I've got, be- yeah, I've got to walk behind uh, double stage snow thrower and and what they call okay. a man plow. It's a uh, a wide shovel. They call it a ma- the, the manufacturer's man plow, and it's it's quite okay. a high duty one. <laughs> So wow. anyway, uh, the petition. Um, I don't know. Have you discussed it at all yet tonight, Fred? We have. We have not. We just, just completed a presentation, and uh, uh, I did say in the beginning that maybe you would come on. I wasn't sure though. Yeah. So um, of course we're all. <laughs> we've been through quite a lot um, leading up to and then election day, and. Uh, a lot of controversy uh, swirling around this election. And um, I was uh, quite excited when I saw Paxton, the Attorney General of Texas, I think it was on the Tucker Carlson show, and he announced um, that they were filing um, case with the uh, U.S. Supreme Court as the Supreme Court has original jurisdiction when one state sues another state. So this was Texas suing four of the battleground states. I guess we all know about that case. And then the Supreme Court dismissed it for lack of standing. And... Um, so anyway, it it uh, I saw it, and then I heard uh, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, uh, who at the moment is the uh, 
chairman of the Texas Republican Party, and he was uh, discouraged, of course, that the Supreme Court decided not to hear the case, and he alluded to or suggested that maybe it was time for uh, some states, I guess we know which ones he was talking about, come together and form a union, form a union. And um, he came under some criticism the next day. People thought he was suggesting secession. In any event, um, I got to thinking and I thought, it was, okay, it's time. Uh, to hear from the people, we've we've heard from politicians, judges, um, and maybe it's time to hear from the people. And the people, I know I, for one, um, have a grievance. And we have a right to petition the government for redress or to rectify grievances. And it goes, my grievance was something like this. The U.S. Supreme Court, uh, the uh, the U.S. Constitution uh, has a guarantee clause, among others, and, and, and an electors clause. I think we're all beginning to hear about the electors clause these days. Um, the guarantee clause is Article 4, Section 4 in, in the U.S. Constitution, which is the supreme law of the land, guarantees people in their states a government, quote, Republican in form. And the electors clause, which we're all learning about these days, um, has the uh, U.S. Constitution um, um, stating that the, uh, let's just talk about the presidential election. It, it, it applies to other federal elections as well, but let's just talk about the presidential election. Um, that when it comes to the presidential election, the procedures, everything that has to do with the election and voting is to be determined by the state legislatures. The state legislatures, um, by law, in law, are to lay out everything that uh, procedures and, and how the votes will be counted and so forth. Um, and it is unconstitutional, therefore, for any um, election, uh, 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 executive official from the executive branch, governor, secretary of state, head of the elections board, um, it's unconstitutional for anyone from the executive branch in 
or the judicial branch to change any of those procedures that the state legislatures have laid out and and have put in law. And um, I came across something I didn't know about, uh, Ballotpedia, Ballotpedia, uh, like encyclopedia, but Ballotpedia. And they did a just an outstanding job. Beginning last May, they state by state, they reported in in a in a 276 times uh, in a very brief paragraph what happened in that state with respect to their elections for uh, this president in, in, uh, regarding this presidential election. And um, going through those, um, um, I saw that there were many um, decisions that should have been made, if they were to be made, should have been made by state legislature. But weren't they were decisions that affected you know how the vote would be conducted and the votes counted. Um, these were decisions that were made by people in the executive branch or the judicial branch, some matter that was taken to court. And of course, those, as I looked at those, and Ballotpedia and, and introduced each one of those um, paragraphs in which they laid out what was going on. They introduced, or, or they started each paragraph with a date that was hyperlinked. So on this date, this happened. And you click on the date, and there's the evidence. So. Uh, I studied these, and their bottom line, there were 31 states that violated the electors' laws of the U.S. Constitution. Um, these, these were changes the election procedure that the state legislature uh, did not have a say in. And, um, and, and 14 of those states, and, and, and some, in some states, there were multiple violations. Some states only one violation. Um, um, let me give you an example. We've all heard, of course, about mail-in balloting. Um, 
I remember being amazed <laughs> some months ago when I learned that the state of Nevada bailed out over 7 million ballots, just bailed them out. Um, and so there were in ballotpedias um, um, assessment, there were some states legislatures that authorized bail-in balloting. So constitution-wise, that's okay. The U.S. Constitution leaves it to the states to decide how they're going to do these things. Signature verification, all of that, that's a separate matter. It's just the issue of bail-in balloting. Um, Notice there were one or more states where the legislatures uh, authorized it in law this year. But there were some states that had mail-in balloting without legislative authority. Well, uh, uh, legislature didn't authorize it, didn't put it in law. And so that's clearly a violation um, of the electors clause in the in the Constitution, um, so there were 31 states, 14, and and 14 of those were Republican, um, and and 17 of the elect the electors will be Democrats. 14, the electors, will be Republicans. And so I um, could not lay this down. I couldn't put it aside. Clearly, every clause in the Constitution is a right that we have. Obviously, the people have the ultimate power in our society. The Constitution is will and the consent of the people. We institute the government to secure our rights. We institute the government. We establish it. We tell it what it can and cannot do. And we have... Uh, made it clear the electors clause that the state um, legislatures um, will decide on how um, balloting and uh, voting will be done, the procedures and so forth. Um, so I, uh, I want to do, I guess, um, prepared a, we, we all know that the elect, this past Monday, this week, Monday, the electoral college votes were cast 
and um, the Biden come out on top. Um, the next step, of course, occurs on January 6th when uh, those, the results of those um, votes uh, are brought to the Senate. And uh, and as each the result from each state is read, um, senator can object. And my understanding is if a senator objects, then they must take two hours. They must take two hours. And um, I don't know what, I, I think during that two hour period if votes are taken and so forth. But, um, and then at the end of, uh, you know, they confirm it and then you have inauguration day on the 20th. Um, so it occurred to me that the pe- we, we need to hear from the people and the way to do that is, is the petition, the, right, the First Amendment right to petition. So in this case, uh, petition could be a redress of, of the violation of the Guarantee Clause. Clearly, in these states, those people do not have... A, a government Republican in form. In, a, in, a, in our republic, the rule of law is um, important. <laughs> it's all about the rule of law. And that wasn't followed. That's a, a violation of, of fundamental right. Um, people have and and so a petition to Congress to nullify the the vote taken by the Electoral College and to um, request that the state legislatures act um, seems appropriate and so I uh, Bear that petition, and you all know, I think by now that it's unfortunate. Uh, government normally doesn't respond. Yes. But but the history of the of the petition clause. Um, um, Proves, you know, that government is obligated to respond, and um, and did in the beginning. And something happened in 1836, the gag rule in the House of Representatives. The um, Southern congressmen prevailed. They did not want to respond to those petitions coming in from abolitionists. 
seeking to end the practice of slavery. So they passed the gag rule and said any of those are going to be permanently tabled. That was the first time our government ever went on record um, indicating that they did not have to, felt they did not have to respond to petitions for redress. Um, and it took John Quincy Adams eight years. He was president and came back to Congress and took him eight years to get that gag rule repealed. But the damage had been done and the right to petition has become all but forgotten until now. Uh, so um, the history of the petition clause is so important and uh, I've attached, I have two attachments to this petition to Congress um, or redress of violations of the guarantee and electors clauses. The two attachments, one is the is a very thorough historical review of the petition clause, in other words, providing the evidence that a Congress are obligated to respond to this petition. They can't ignore it. They shouldn't. They're obligated. And the other um, is something, Fred, you mentioned the National Clean Election Lawsuit in 2008. Um, yep. After that episode, <laughs> um, I prepared, well, we prepared a petition for redress of grievance, and the grievance is counting votes by machine, by, by computer. And um, we believe that there, there is a, a principle underlying our system of governance. It's the principle of the public nature of our elections. Every step is to be open for examination and observation. And so the uh, National Clean Election Lawsuit was all about uh, making sure we stay with paper ballots hand marked hand counted and not introduce um, digital or, or com computer computers in the process at all. So um, the second attachment to this petition um, you know, at first, it, 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 it's not a petition to Congress uh, to uh, act in a way that uh, puts them in violation of the of the uh, electors clause. It's just. Uh, asking them to do what they can do, whatever they can do, to prevent this kind of these fiascos that we've just experienced in the future. And, and one way to do that is to have a you know, paper ballot hand marked, hand counted. So here are, here's how it can be done. And you, Congress, uh, you know, do what you can to influence not by law, because you can't. 
without changing the amending the electors uh, clause. But do what you can uh, to uh, prevent a lot of chaos that we've just lived through. And and there's a target you know, for you. So that's the second of the two attachments, the historical record of the right to petition, the petition clause, and uh, the uh, public elections uh, suggestions. So um, that's done. And um, and then I was going to uh, drive down tomorrow to serve that on the leadership of both the Senate and the House. Um, this night, I've been out for hours and hours uh, digging out from this snowstorm, and I'm just exhausted. Oh, yeah. And there's a little bit more I need to do. Wait uh, a minute, Bob. Were you talking about driving down to DC? <laughs> yeah, it's about a nine-hour drive, and I had hoped to, oh, to uh, get underway tonight and, okay. and get there tomorrow. Okay. They're going to be oh, there. Wow. Um, I think they're there through the week. Yeah, I think they're going to be there through the weekend uh, because of yes. the stimulus uh, standoff. Um, okay. But anyway, I will um, give you some ideas of some help. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to get to an IT guy I've been working with. We have a, a website, Occupy the Constitution. I guess what I should do is post this petition there and yeah. um, and then it's a matter of how do we get signature pages you know the last page with with people's uh, address uh, you know their their city and and, uh, and state the name and then a signature um, from that last page how do we get all Bob, those? You're gonna you're gonna have to do it electronically. Come up with an electronic signature solution uh, with an address uh, input page that everyone can go to. Yeah, and just I, I, uh, wipe know. their finger, wipe their finger or their or stylus across across the screen uh, when you do that. It can work on most iPhones. It's pretty common for iPhones. Yeah, I could use some help. If, if anyone's listening, I could certainly use help. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just not. I relied, and as you know, Fred, I relied entirely on. Um, I know. Michael Dean for all of the ideas. Michael Dean, not, he could do this in a snap. Remember these things? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. I could use some help yeah. on how do we how do we get this to the attention? I, I will uh, make sure that the media knows that I'm doing this, I mean, I will get it done and then the media will know about it. Uh, but okay. But then what? But then what? Uh, let's say you get a, somebody uh, in the media that's willing to cover this and, and you want them to tell their audience uh, where to go uh, to sign yeah. this. And, and, and then how do we get it uh, to uh, you, you want the, the Congress is going to act um, on the sixth, 
Yep. And um, these these the results of the electoral college will will be presented, and then they'll act. Um, you want this in their hands, so they, yep. so that you know, so that each senator and each uh, congressman, the member of the House, knows about it, or at least their leadership. Um, if every every individual in the non-poll, not, not sorry, Trump movement uh, gets ten people, Bob, this thing could be done in less than a few days. Yeah, seventy-four million. Yeah. Yeah, I need some help and put. How do we do this? Uh, yeah. It's one thing for me to drive down there and serve it. It's you know. Yeah. Uh, unless unless this, you know, uh, we need critical mass. Unfortunately, yeah. Individual citizens petitioning for redress get ignored. Uh, individuals in small groups don't prevail. Unfortunately, we're in that state. So I could use some help. And getting a plan, you know, ex- and then executed, uh, so that the word gets out, people sign yep. it, and somehow uh, it, it all comes together, and it gets on the sixth, gets uh, presented. Um, ideally, ideally, uh, the petition, and they know they'll know it's coming, but it gets presented, and it's got. Many, many, many signatures. Um, yeah. You know, it is, um, thank God that in 2011, um, there was a decision by the Supreme Court in a case called Borough of Duryea versus Guadiari. And in there, the Supreme Court happened to mention the right to petition. And they said that any matter involving the right to petition, we have to rely on the, because no court has ever declared the rights of the people and the obligations of the government under that, those last 10 words of the First Amendment. And, and, and so the Supreme Court in this case said that any matter involving the right to petition, we have to look at the historical scope and purpose. And um, Clarence Thomas, in, in, a, in a separate opinion, concurring opinion, um, mentioned that in the beginning, um, petitions were served on legislative and executive people, you know, um, to hold them accountable. That's how people held yeah. government accountable to the rule of law and to the Constitution, of course, which is the supreme law. So, um, anyway, uh, I could use some help in, in executing this. So, if anyone's listening, um, Hey guys, let's get our heads together. If we don't, I mean, we've got Joe Peluso, who I introduced to Bob. Uh, I'm going to reach out to him tomorrow. Uh, Steve's son uh, is extremely busy, but has some skills. And uh, anybody that you know who's technically inclined in this stuff, it doesn't sound like it's it's uh, that difficult. And Bob, there are other sites out there that I'm going to try to get in touch that have these things already. I think I mentioned We the People uh, that that one We the People uh, site that I that I sent yeah the We the People of. convention We the People convention yeah is that uh, uh, Jim Condit Jim Condit put me in touch with those people yeah, yeah and uh, it's it got the petition thing all the way it's it's loaded down below 
And I thought to myself, well, you know, they could just make a carbon copy of the same thing, point it to your website, occupy the Constitution, and we could have it done. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, so, I'm just, I'm, I'm just novice when it comes to this. Yeah, stuff. it's one of my regrets yeah. that I didn't pay more attention to this. Um, no, but no problem. I could use the help. Okay, yeah, Bob, I, I just, have you? Bob, thank you. I just think we need to hear from the people. This is a way for the people to speak. Let's keep politics out of it altogether. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is just the people. I mean, the Constitution is all about power between the people and the government. And um, we've been losing it. They've been taking more and more power uh, from us. And, uh, but we need to put our foot down. And, and, but we can't do that individually. We have to do it by the numbers. Um, yep. So let's do it. Bob, you know John Duresh at National Liberty Alliance? Uh, yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, who, whose voice was that? This is Jay Zillow who? from North Carolina. Hi, Dave. Um, Jay. In fact, J-A-Y. Oh, Jay. Sorry. <laughs> um, you mentioned the National Liberty Alliance. Um, yeah, we've got so, 9,000 so members, you, and they could put out a newsletter. They could put out an email to everybody. Yeah, G.R. Mobley, you know that name? No. No, okay. So G.R. Mobley uh, has a radio program, and he's out there, I don't know, Wyoming or or South Dakota someplace. And um, he's been um, uh, talking to me for, for the last few months about the petition and the National Liberty Alliance. Um, uh-huh. And he's on top of, and he's on top of, of this issue, this right to petition. And um, he was telling me today that he uh, will be uh, working with the National Liberty Alliance um, to get signatures on this petition. I'm not sure how he's going to go about it, or how the National Liberty Alliance will go about it. Um, but the more maybe I'll call people, John and tell him about this website. But maybe I'll have okay. John get a hold of you, or does yeah, John have your number? Yeah, Jake, Jim, I'll text you. I'll text you Bob's number. Okay, 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 okay. And uh, when we did the when 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 we did that other lawsuit, um, uh. We ended up finding out that the Republican and Democratic Party actually ran the election, right? Well, um, you're talking about the National Clean Election lawsuit. Yeah, that we yeah, sued that the was, wrong. Uh, we we sued the election we, administration. Yeah, we. Uh, that's uh, it was really a sad chapter, you know. Um, we brought the. Just for the benefit of everyone uh, that's not familiar with that case, we were very prescient. We saw the problems with uh, computerized vote and so forth. And, and we got three plaintiffs from each of the 50 states. So there are 150 plaintiffs. And we sued the chief election official in each of the 50 states. And the case was um, heard 
by the federal court, the Northern District of New York, that was assigned to um, Judge Lawrence Kahn. And uh, early on, the defendants, states, moved to dismiss for lack of standing. And we prevailed. In court, we prevailed. The judge says, no, we have standing. The case will go to discovery. So we were in discovery. We, we were uh, really wanted to, to, to understand how all of this was going to work. Particularly, we wanted the source code for these you know, machines. And um, and ha- where these machines would be stored, and and all about hard drives, everything. So we were well into discovery, and we got forty-four thousand pages of stuff. And and um, the judge, the magistrate who was handling discovery, um, said that this is all confidential. You can't tell anybody what you're learning here. You know, you can't even talk to your wife over the you know, a pillow talk, you, you, you can't. And, and so we let it be known that, okay, um, you know, if it comes to that, we'll, we'll take all this information, we'll box it up, we'll put it on a pallet, we'll put physical chains around it, we'll bring it before the jury and say, well, we just can't tell you what's in there, you know, something like that. Anyway, we were determined, and, and, but uh, the further we got to it, learning everything, getting so that once we had that information, if they were to make any changes, then we would um, we would have to be informed of that. So uh, as we were progressing, they brought another motion, a second motion to dismiss for lack of standing. This time the judge granted it. So there was something wrong there. I mean, clearly, um, there was hanky-panky, <laughs> you know, in the judiciary. So um, that's as far as that case went. But it was interesting that while we were, while the National Clean Election lawsuit was underway, we learned that in Germany, you know, the German Constitution, we had a lot to do with that. and. They had this underlying principle as well, the, the public nature of elections. They will be public. The public will know everything. Um, and, and, and every step you know, in, in, in the process, especially counting, will be open for examination and observation. So we learned that in Germany, there, there was a father and son. They were both PhDs. And they too were concerned. We didn't know they were doing this and they didn't know we were doing here. But they too were concerned about the fact that, that in Germany, the six, they don't call them states, they call them something else, but there were 16 of them. And they were, um, they were moving each, they were moving to, to computerized vote counting and so forth. Um, and they argued that that was a violation of the of the public nature of, of, of their elections. 
And the courts agreed with them and removed all those machines. I don't know where things stand today, but that was the case back then. But here, you know, we, um, the, the, it's for lack of standing of all things. That standing thing is a judicial doctrine. It's not in law. And they use it, um, you know, on these constitutional questions, cases that they don't want to hear. You know, they'll, they'll dismiss for lack of standing. Um, I could go on and on about the standing doctrine. But in any event, um, that, that's, that's what happened back then. And here we are. We were very prescient. I mean, I think, uh, among other things, these um, we hear a lot about dominion and and um, and and uh, what vote flipping and things of that sort. And I I I believe it. I I think a lot of that went on. Uh, so there's there, look. Uh, Mike Bodine, we mentioned his name. Mike Bodine and I, in, in the 2008 in, in, in New Hampshire, there was a, um, Barack Obama had won the first primary in Iowa, so New Hampshire was next. And there was a, a recount. They were scheduled for a recount. And I talked to Michael, and we decided to go camp out there. Um, and, and learn as much as we could about the process there. And the, the, uh, um, we were given access. Uh, we were, you know, there was a big room, the Secretary of State had a lot of people in this room. These ballot boxes were coming in. And, and it was, I thought it was a good laboratory for this kind of work, this research that we wanted to undertake. Because in New Hampshire at that time, half the precincts uh, still used paper ballots, hand-marked, hand-counted. The other half uh, used computers, computerized, computerized uh, vote counting. And, um, and so there we were in this room and monitoring everything. And when, and there were all these tables where the boxes were being opened and there were lots of people, you know, around the table uh, of both parties and observing everything. And, and then the results of that box, that precinct uh, was, written up on a piece of paper and sent up to the head table, to the state people. And we got a copy, as they did, we did. And so we were right in the thick of that, of that recount. And we wrote this report. Um, I still have it, if anybody's interested. But the very comprehensive report, and I remember the bottom line, um, we, we we proved, we showed that the incident of error was greater with the machines than the hand counting, paper ballots hand counting. And, and um, there were errors there, but nowhere near the, in, the level of, you know, that the number that were occurring uh, with the machine counting. 
But yeah. not only the incident of error, but the magnitude of the error was so much greater with the machines than with the hand counting. Um, so, you know, we were raising all the right questions, but anyway, we uh, didn't, didn't quite get what we were looking for in court. And so here we are today. So when you, uh, when you when when you uh, when you file the redress of grievance, you said you were going to give it to the head of the House and the head of the Senate, which is Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell, and they're both pieces of crap. Don't you um, when when you file that redress of grievance, don't you have to do that on the floor of the House and Senate? Isn't there a time? I know you and I talked about this before. Isn't there, in like at the start of the session, don't they have some, they have a time set aside for, I can't remember what they call it, some weird name that that's where you do your redress agreements? Uh, no, uh, I'm, I'm, you may be right. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, I just think it's enough to serve the Congress. Uh, they have to be served. I know, but if, you give it, but if you give it to Nancy Pelosi and... And Mitch McConnell, I mean, Mitch is hell-bent on not helping Trump. Nancy well, sure it, isn't. Yeah, it, it could be given uh, all you need are, are senators, you know, to speak up and, and uh, question. But to and, do a redress of grievance, what didn't we find out that you actually had to do that on the House floor and that that our redress agreements weren't getting answered because we were filing, we were giving them to the House senators and, and their private no, offices, not, and we weren't. No, I'm not. I'm not familiar with that. But obviously, if you and I talked about I'm this, not a, I just don't remember that. I, I'm not. I'm not aware of, you know, a public comment period on the floor of the Senate or the House. Um, yeah, there's a certain time that they set aside. They they like call some weird name, and nobody ever steps up for it, and so they just go right in, you know. But yeah, but yeah. It, uh, gee, I think Bob was talking about back in the 1800s. There was a conventional day of the week, uh, Bob. I think that's what you said once. Okay, I, yeah, I forget. I just don't remember. <laughs> um, it, no, oh, but, there, but yeah, there's a there's yeah. a time there's a time to present a redress of grievance every day on the House and Senate floor, and nobody ever yeah. does it, so it's just it's just passed right over. Well, I'll 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 look into that, and uh, certainly if that's an option, I'll be there. <laughs> you know, but I'm not aware of that option. I, I I knew the name of it when we talked about it before. 